DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to hear from the Utes as the countdown is on to their opening of Arizona on November 7th. I've already seen them as 14-point favorites for that. Uh, we're going to hear from Kyle Whittingham in just a minute. But first, we're going to start with an assistant coach. We'll start with the running backs coach, Kyle McDonald. Obviously, they got to replace Zach Moss, all-time school rushing leader. Good luck with that. What are they doing? Where are they? How's that progressing? Here's Kyle McDonald with the media. Hey, Kyle. Coach Whittingham, uh, I think it was last week, said that there's about five guys probably in the mix for that starting position. Who, who do you uh, see as, as uh, those guys that can jump in there and get some playing minutes this year, and what, what do each of them offer? So we got to start with guys that have been here the longest. So Devin Brumfield is in that mix, big, powerful back uh, that has shown that he can make some plays in the Pac-12, uh, made some plays against USC, Arizona State, Cal, Colorado. So uh, he's a big, bruising back. You got Jordan Wilmore, who's also uh, has shown that he can make some plays in the Pac-12 as well. TJ Green, he's made a lot of plays. Um, he's made some plays against the school down south. So he's made some plays against Colorado at times in his career. So uh, he's a guy that also is in coming to the party. Ty Jordan, the freshman, has been real explosive throughout camp. He makes a play a day and it's going the distance. So that's nice to see. And also you got uh, Mekhi Bernard, who's also in that mix. So he's a hybrid type of player. Uh, he can go inside, outside. He can catch the ball. So very athletic. So those five guys have, are, are really in the, in the front seat in terms of who's going to be picked to, to lead the Utes here in the backfield this season. Can you just speak a little more uh, to Ty Jordan? You know, you, you were saying during the spring that you were very optimistic that he could come in and, uh, and make some waves immediately. What does he have to do really in your mind at this point to, uh, to potentially get on the field right away? Well, he's got to be consistent. You know, he's got to be able to align, assign, know his responsibility, and physically be able to execute to the techniques that I'm asking him to do. So when you get a young guy, one of the most important things is for him to go ahead and be able to be consistent on a day-to-day basis. Can't just show flashes day one, day three, uh, day four, day seven. Uh, it has to be consistent play, and he's he's coming along uh, for it's come along doing that. So uh, if he can go ahead and continue to do that, um, he's going to be able to be on the field for the youth. Next up is Bill Riley with ESPN 700, followed by Dirk Facer with the Deseret News. Morning, Kyle. How are you? Good morning. How's everything going? Everything's great. Uh, with so many guys in that running back room and, and so many guys that are talented, um, you know, there's only one football, only one guy, maybe sometimes two are on the field at once. So, you know, those guys clearly understand it. But how, how do you do your best to create the competition and also try to, you know, keep everybody as happy as possible with touches? Well, first and foremost, it's, it's not about the individual. It's about the team. And we have to have a strong understanding of that in the room. When it comes to the touches, those guys will earn their touches. Everything is earned. Nothing is given here at the University of Utah. So you get what you earn. Uh, you might not be happy about it, 
but you need to understand it. And that's why that's where the clear communication comes in between player and coach. And I think there's a very clear communication uh, in the running back room because there are so many guys that can play that can help. Uh, some guys might have packages. Some guys might get three, four plays. Some guys might get 20 carries. Some guys might get seven catches. Uh, whatever your role is, you need to be able to attack your role and understand your role. Next up is Dirk Facer, followed by Josh Furlong with KSL. Good morning, Coach. Uh, just having Zach Moss as the all-time rushing leader at Utah, can you just talk about the challenges of filling those shoes and, and how big was he and did these guys learn from him? I think they learned a lot from Zach. Uh, Zach did a lot of things here, so the, the shoes are pretty large to fill. But uh, here at the University of Utah, it's always been next man up mentality. So, uh, I mean, he had to fill Joe Williams. Joe Williams had to fill Devontae Booker. Uh, so we've just always had that kind of next man up mentality, and this is going to be no different. These guys are supremely talented individuals that we've handpicked to play here at the University of Utah. So uh, I think that they're ready for the challenge. You know, they got to go out there and, and get their feet wet and really have a good understanding of what it is to be the guy. Uh, the guy shows up every day, day in, day out on game day, uh, banged up, bruised, um, separated shoulders, whatever it may be. you got to be able to show up. And I think those guys have that understanding. They want that challenge. They feel like they can carry the load. And I'm looking forward to them being able to do so. Um, yeah, Zach was great. He was. Uh, uh, it, I, we're not going to miss a beat. We're not because we can't. That's just how it is at Utah. Thank you, Coach. Next up is Josh Furlong, followed by Josh Newman with the Salt Lake Tribune. With guys like Devin and Jordan and even TJ, who, who got some playing minutes last year, uh, do, do you expect uh, this year to just have that one back that you're going to rely on? Or are you, are you hoping to have a rotation? And, or is there like a two-back system that, that's going to be in this, this approach this year since you have so many options? Yeah, we're going to do what's best for the team. If I got two guys that can – uh, help us win games, they'll they'll split the load if that's what it calls for. If I got three guys, then three guys will play. Um, whatever is going to be earned. And if one guy continues to separate himself from the pack, then that guy's going to be the bell cow for the youths. I know the youths have had bell cows before for a long time. Uh, but again, it's going to be what's going to be best for this offense um, and what's going to be what's going to fit each individual's uh, skill set. Next up is Josh Newman, followed by Chris Comrani with The Athletic. Kyle, as you guys look to make some decisions in terms of the two deep and, and depth and personnel, just what are you looking to see from some of these guys uh, tomorrow as you guys uh, you know, go into a scrimmage situation for the first time? I'm going to look for guys to, again, be consistent, consistent with the reads, consistently making plays. At the end of the day, you have to be able to make a play for the youths, especially when things break down. Um, I'm looking for ball skills as well. Uh, Zach had a number of catches and a number of yards catching the football. So guys have to be able to, to catch the football. And also, you got to be able to block. you got to be able to keep the quarterback upright. Uh, so I'm going to be looking for guys to be able to put their face on a defender and be able to control them. So uh, guys just got to go out there and play the game like they know how. They've been playing this game for a, a very, very long time. So I'm looking for them to go ahead and, and excel and make some plays and be explosive. Thanks, Kyle. Yes, sir. Final question will go to Chris Kamrani. 
Hey, Kyle, uh, just a quick two-parter for you. One, how quick would you like to have the running back position solidified before the opener in three weeks? And secondly, um, what does a guy like Devin Brumfield need to do to further round out his game? Because I know he came in and got playing time as a true freshman because of his ability and pass protection and whatnot. So, yeah, if you don't mind just going with those two, that would be great. Um, I'd like to be able to have things solidified uh, over the next two weeks um, with uh, who's going to be one, two, and three at least. Um, we'll narrow that list down after the scrimmage, who's going to be one, two, and three, and then it will be solidified uh, the following week. You know, So I'll let those three guys, um, whoever it is, go out and battle it out. Uh, if it's a fourth guy, hey, awesome. That means that we've recruited really well uh, and we're competing and we are, we're on the path to being pretty darn good. So I want to make sure that we get that thing solidified, who is one, two, and three, uh, at least by the next two weeks. Uh, for Dev, Dev's just got to continue to be explosive, be explosive, be nimble. Um, he's, he's shown that in the early part of camp, uh, that he can go ahead and make somebody miss, be explosive. Um, I think uh, yesterday he probably hit maybe a 60-yarder in practice, and that's what I got to be able to see because I know what, how tough he is. I know how physical he is. I know he's going to be able to wear down a defense, but the game becomes hard if it's only three yards in a cloud of dust. So uh, here in the backfield, I need Big Dev to go ahead and be explosive, make guys miss, and be able to create, and that's some of the things that he has shown uh, early part in camp. There's Kyle McDonald, running backs coach at the University of Utah, going into his fourth year. He'd been at Eastern Washington and came down with Troy Taylor, but he stayed after Taylor moved on to become the head coach at Sac State. And PK, man, you hear him talk. I can hear some of those words and phrases coming out of Kyle's, uh, out of uh, Kyle Winningham's mouth. He knows exactly what Kyle wants. Oh, sure he does. Yeah, he's been with them now for a few years. I think we all know what Kyle wants. Uh, it's a question of whether they've got the ability to get what Kyle wants. We know what he wants. There's no question about that. Uh, but until these guys prove it consistently, I don't know that they can. You know, we were we, talking earlier about quarterback, and I was saying I don't think it's as wide open as it seems to be, but actually it feels like running back is fairly wide open. He's got an idea, and it sounds like Brumfield's got a pretty good spot in the mix, but it doesn't sound like it's nailed down yet. Oh, I think Will Brumfield will be your starter and Wilmore will be your second guy, and then they'll go from there. So you think it is nailed down? Nailed down? No, I don't know that anything is nailed down right now, but I think that right as we speak, I think Brumfield has the opportunity to be the number one. That could change. I, don't, I wouldn't say nailed down, but as I handicap it, recognizing they still have two, three weeks to go, that's the way I would go. The game, uh, first, the opener, three weeks from uh, tomorrow. All right, here's Kyle Whittingham, youth head coach with the media. Okay, morning, guys. Uh, let's see, coming off four very physical days of practice. Uh, it's been really good four days. Starting to see separation. Um, just uh, a lot of work that's got done. Um, live work, in addition. Uh, put the quarterbacks through some live work, uh, which was good to see. So uh, we'll back off a little bit today, take the pads off, and uh, get ready for a big scrimmage tomorrow. Tomorrow and, and the next Saturday are, are two very important days and uh, will be a big determining factor in uh, the two deep. And so uh, it's important that uh, you know guys want to play and, and be uh, – in the uh, in the two deep and on the travel roster.
tomorrow and, and the next Saturday will really define that for the most part. So, so uh, that's where we're at. Um, when we play three weeks from tomorrow, we have uh, had uh, six practices and uh, the clock is ticking. We've, I think we've got scheduled uh, 23 practices before we play the first game. So, so we've got, uh, what, 17 left to get better and try to get to where we need to be. So questions? First up will be Dirk Facer with the Deseret News, followed by Josh Newman with the Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Kyle, good morning. Did, did you guys elect captains last night and tell us who they are and talk we about did. a little bit? We, we did elect them. I uh, haven't been announced yet. We'll announce those as soon as the team knows. They, they don't know right now. And so we'll have that announcement tomorrow uh, for the public, uh, and the team will find out later this afternoon. Well, thanks, Kyle. Okay. Next up is Josh Newman, followed by Bill Riley with ESPN 700. Hey, good morning, Kyle. Morning, Josh. Uh, uh, as you said, you know, the scrimmage tomorrow is important, and you're evaluating. I'm curious, as you go into that scrimmage, is there a position group or multiple position groups where you guys maybe don't have a firm grasp on what you want to do and you hope to have a firmer grasp after tomorrow? Absolutely. And uh, the secondary comes to mind, first and foremost, along with the quarterback, obviously. Uh, running back position is everyone's jockeying for, for, uh, for position there. Um, O-line, still looking for the the, uh, the five best and then get them s situated into the respective spots. Um, linebacker opposite Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd we know is going to be a, uh, on the field for us. We've got to determine who's going to be next to him. Um, yeah, it's a lot a lot going on. Your receivers, there's uh, pretty good. we got a pretty good idea what's going on there. Tight ends the same. Uh, D front, there's there's position for the – or. Uh, a lot of competition for some of the number two spots. You know, we feel pretty good about where we're at with uh, with the starters there. But but uh, yeah, and, and kicking, kicking and punting. There's a there's a competition going on there as well. Next up is Bill Riley, followed by Josh Furlong with KSL. Al, good morning. Morning, Billy. Um, you just mentioned a second ago you're starting to see separation. Uh, give us a couple of areas where you're starting to see that separation and is there anybody in particular that's really standing out to you right now well uh let's start with the guys that are standing out start with some of the young guys jaron cup on the offensive line has had an outstanding first six practices uh both of our uh freshman defensive ends uh van fillinger and, and xavier carlton have done a great job uh nate ritchie has really showed up uh in, in uh some live situations this week, or our safety. Um, what was the first part of the question again? Yeah, you were where you're starting. You, you said you're starting to see some separation in, yeah. in some areas. Okay, where so, are those areas yeah. where you're starting to see it? Yeah, um, I would say, uh, you know, the running backs, even though there's a good competition going on there, there is starting to become a, a pecking order. Uh, right now, uh, Jordan Wilmore and, and Devin Brumfield are the two uh, top guys. Uh, Ty Jordan is going to have uh, a, uh, a role as well. He's got uh, he's got uh, just tremendous speed. He's a 10, 500 meter uh, track guy, and so we got to find the you know find ways to get him the ball. Um, let's see, the D defensive tackle spot is is 
pretty solidified Viana Moala is number one tackle there. Howard Pututau is doing a nice job. Uh, really impressed with Tennessee Pututau. He's, he's a freshman that that uh, has really shown well. And Tanoa Tongia, he's had to miss some time due to some physical stuff, but we should get him back uh, hopefully today and another freshman D tackle that's going to be in the mix. Next up is Josh Furlong, followed by Josh Newman. Kyle, in years past, you've kind of been able to use this scrimmage as an opportunity to go more into the depth of, of your, your team. But with so many position groups kind of still up for battle for those starting jobs, are you going to have to use a lot of those, those guys to determine who will be those starters, or are you, is this still more of the, the depth uh, look? No, the, the, uh, the former, where there's a lot of – starters that have not been identified yet and and uh this is going to be a like i said tomorrow and, and the next saturday will be a big determiner and who those starters end up being and there's only a handful of guys you know Devin and, and uh, mika the only two guys on on defense that, that return now viana he's going to be a starter i can tell you that right now but as far as the other uh eight we you know we got to see who's gonna who's gonna make plays and and uh, do things the way that we need them done. Max Depay should be a guy that's in that mix. There's, there's no guarantee there because there's guys pushing him. But uh, there's a lot of starting jobs, particularly on defense, that uh, have not yet been determined and will be needed to be determined by a week from tomorrow. And so that gives them those two scrimmage opportunities, plus some more live work uh, next week. It's not just the scrimmages. We do have segments of practice where – where uh, the action is live. And those are the really most critical uh, aspects of evaluation and, and the grading is, is the live work because you don't know for sure if a guy had a tackle or was able to break a tackle or, or what have you, unless it is live. Next up is Josh Newman, followed by Chris Kamrani with The Athletic. Kyle, um Brian Thompson was just on here and he was talking about how uh, he's really tried to study the human body during this time away. And he mentioned that he's kind of changed his diet and, and tried to improve his body. Can you maybe expand on that a little bit, how, how Brian has tried to really dive into things related to the human body and changing his diet some? Well, I wish I could expound on it, but I had no idea he was studying anatomy and, and <laughs> physiology. I, I can tell you he looks great. So whatever he's been studying, he's been applying it because he's, he looks uh, about as good as a wide receiver can look. He's 205 pounds and ripped up and, and uh, performing very well in addition. Uh, one of our top guys, obviously, on the outside. And so he's to be commended for the conscious effort, conscientious effort he's made to get himself as good as he can possibly be physically and is translating. He, he was a good receiver to begin with, but he's taken it to another level. Thanks, Kyle. Next up is Chris Kamrani. Kyle, could you give us some background on how you guys got Vianney to Utah? I know he was at Hawaii, and I know Lewis was at Hawaii. I'm wondering, like, was, was there a connection with Lewis knowing Vianney? Um, obviously, you guys have a deep defensive line every year, so I think a guy like Vianney's arrival maybe gets buried a little bit when he gets here because he's got to work his way up the depth chart. Right, and that's exactly the case. He got here, uh, what, two years ago, I believe, had to sit out the, the first year due to transfer regulations. Uh, you're right, Coach Powell knew of Vianney. He, he had been at University of Hawaii, and, and uh, there was a relationship there. But Vianney reached out to us. Obviously, you're not allowed to uh, tamper with anybody else's players. And so 
he was uh, contacted, or we were contacted by him, you know, after we went through the release and and that type of thing. And and uh, I studied the tape personally when I first came to when it first came to light. And uh, he was a very explosive, uh, big-bodied guy that could that moved exceptionally well. And to me, it was a no-brainer. And uh, you know, we we. Uh, told him that you know, if he wanted to in fact come and join us then we had a spot for him and and uh, that's the way he wanted to go and so we're elated that he's he's with us and like I said when when he has uh, really got the the, uh, the switch flipped he's he's almost impossible to block. How does a guy like that fly under the radar Kyle? Good question you know there's a it happens once in a while not as much as it used to with with the internet and the accessibility you have of film virtually on anyone in the country at any time it's a rarity that uh the guys fly under the radar like that but every once in a while there's a guy that that uh, does get looked over or, or missed for whatever reason and uh that's the best explanation i can give you on that final question will come from bill riley now that you've put the pads on and you said you've had four good physical practices uh, what have you seen out of your secondary, not maybe the safeties, but the corners in particular um, with the pads and with the hitting and the live action and, and knowing that you're, you're wanting to get those guys decided upon pretty quickly too? Raw but talented. Um, some are, are further along than others. Obviously, JT Broughton's probably the number one corner right now, and he's second year in the program, uh, so he's a sophomore. But uh, he's had an outstanding camp. Bronson Boyd is doing some really good things on the outside. Clark Phillips is uh, going to be a factor for us. He's playing inside and outside. Uh, Malone Mataele has been a, a pleasant surprise this camp. He has really turned up his uh, his game and, and uh, his production, and he's playing in that nickel spot as well. Uh, then there's guys that have a bunch of talent, but <clears throat> a little further away, technique-wise, fundamental-wise, uh, knowledge of the scheme-wise, that would be uh, Kane Savage, Fabian Marks, uh, Kenzel Lawler. Um, I'm sure I'm missing somebody here, but we've got we've got a whole stable of young corners that uh, are going to be really good given time. We just got to get them. Uh, you know, the, the time is compressed, and so hopefully they're uh, ready to uh, line up and compete uh, three weeks from tomorrow. There's Kyle Whittingham, Utah head coach, and PK the depth chart. A work in progress, it sounds like. I mean, he did say the two jobs are open, but then he threw out a couple guys with uh, Broughton, and that's you know, we've heard that a couple times this week now, that he's going to be one of the corners. Um, but it still sounds like there's an awful lot up in the air. And he says it, and I know he says it to promote competition, but sometimes when he says it, I believe it a little more, and I believe it a little more with the defense. There's still stuff he's got to figure out. I think you can hear a little stress in his voice, like we have got to get this sorted out. Yeah, I think they will get it sorted out, though. That's a good problem to have. You'd rather have more guys to choose from than fewer. That just only makes sense. And I think that they're a little more unsettled at this point because of the fact they didn't have the spring ball. Right. And they couldn't make any evaluations. And not that you're going to make absolute 100% conclusive uh, um, evaluations, but you have something to go on. Now they didn't have as much to go on, so I think that's where the stress comes in, is that 
because for them, last year, he would be just sitting with his feet right. up, no yeah. sweat. I mean, give us five days and we'll be ready to go because we know everybody that we have. Their bodies may not be ready to go, but our depth chart will be ready to go. Two different things there. I'm taught, speaking strictly about the depth chart. And here, because of the situation of so many great players leaving the program and most of them going on to the NFL, combined with the lack of evaluation time that you would normally have. I think that's where the stress has come in. Not that they feel like there's a big-time lack of talent there. So I would differentiate that yep. from I agree. the stress that he has. And then Moala, uh under the radar because he came from American Samoa, and I get with the web and video that distance isn't what it used to be. But personal relationships still matter, and being around somebody, and that's a long way away. American Samoa to Hawaii and, and now to Utah. It seems like the most likely uh, – that, that's a heck of a thing, though, to transfer from Hawaii into a program where you know there's a gazillion guys battling for playing time. And he earned some last year, so, I mean, he played last year. Yeah, and they seem to be always good in, in certain positions. So it's that's where really, truly, it's next man up for them because they have such a track record. But the four-star guys, to get back to the whole recruiting thing, we were talking yesterday about the, the piece in The Athletic that there were 12 four-star guys over a three-year span, and the Utes got none of them. And then one year they hit on three out of four. And sure enough, Kyle starts talking about freshmen who can contribute, and he goes right to two of the four-star guys at the D-line. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. Fillinger uh, from uh, from your Corner Canyon Chargers and then uh, Carlton from Juan Diego. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, coming up next. Nothing else matters, fellas. Every day we go to work. Football is back, and the Zone Sports Network has you covered as the Cougars continue to bulldoze through their schedule and the Utes and Aggies get set for the start of their season. You gotta go faster, faster! Nobody will bring you better coverage of your team than the Zone Sports Network. This is your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. Turn me up all day! 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Whose quarterback is better, yours or Ronald Jones? Come on, man. I'm pretty sure my quarterback knows what fourth down is. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm like, exactly. I'm like, Aaron Rodgers would never do that. He's too smart for that. We'd never be in that type of situation. Uh, when you say that, karma, PK. We're all waiting to see now if there's some mental mistake. Aaron Rodgers is really good, but nobody's perfect. You can always tell when a media member wants to suck up to a, 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 a to a player and be a jock sniffer. They laugh way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that funny, but they want to be buddies with these guys. It was funny. It wasn't that funny, but that was a good line. That was Jamal Williams right there, the former BYU running back. Now it was with a Packer. chuckle at best. We've been asking about your predictions for the weekend. What do you expect? There are some big NFL games out there. That one, the uh, Green Bay Packers are going to Tampa Bay to play the Bucks. So that's uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. That's got a little, a little firepower, a little sizzle, a little. How much better do you think the Bucks are going to get along? I mean, they brought in a lot of pieces. Obviously, Brady being the biggest one, but not the only one. So it stands to reason there'd be a little improvement here over time. You expecting a lot, though? 
I think for them, if they don't get to the playoffs, it's a it's a bitter disappointment. Oh, so agreed. That's all that matters. I don't know to what level they'll get better or whatnot. It's all about getting to the postseason. That's the goal. And so if they get there, then they met their goal. If they didn't, then they didn't. It's as simple as that. Can you start 0-4 and make the playoffs? It's been done. Not very often. Mm. But it has been done, and now the Texans are trying to do it. They were 0-4. They got their first win. Uh, They're playing the undefeated Titans with little room for error. Although a little more. It's a little more forgiving now with the 17 getting in. I would say no, but we've seen crazy things happen. Yeah. The Browns are suddenly a big game. The Steelers are 4-0. The Browns are 4-1, so that's a big game in the, NF, in the AFC North if the Browns can get it and get first place in the division. Seems crazy to think that could happen. Don't trust him. Take the, take the Steelers at home. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Sunday night football, Rams and Niners. Rams, 4-1, and one, bouncing back after a, a sad season after their, uh, their trip to the Super Bowl. The Niners, 2-3, and three, having a sad season after their trip to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think this is a critical game for San Francisco because you're in a tough division and you've got to play those six games, so uh, you can't afford to fall further behind. I mean, there's just, at this point, I would say there's almost no chance they win the division because I think Seattle, obviously, is storming towards that. Yeah. But you want a wild card. And if you fall further behind, that's going to be difficult because you got the Rams looking like they've rediscovered something. The Cardinals are getting better. I don't think they're a postseason team this year, but they are getting better. And they already beat you once, speaking of the Niners, in, in week one, if I remember correctly. So you've got that situation where this is a very, very important game. And we're starting to head towards, you know, we're not at midseason yet, but these games, that's the thing about the NFL, man. These games, I think, in my mind, without question, and I don't think it's any big outrageous statement, that the NFL's regular season is the best regular season, and it's not even close. (laughs) There are eight teams with winning records in the NFC, and only six of those teams can make the playoffs because one berth goes to the NFC East champ. Maybe the NFC East will have a team with a winning record when it's all said and done, but right now they don't. The Cowboys are leading the division at 2-3. and three. And, I would uh, say winner. I wouldn't say champ. Yeah, right. Uh, so the NFC East winner, the first-place team will get in. Eight teams with winning records. So to your point, the Cardinals could get squeezed out, but they are getting better, and they're 3-2. and two. They're over, over 500. They've got a winning record now, same as the, uh, the Bucks and the Panthers are all 3-2 and two right now. Yeah, I would be stunned if Dallas I, didn't win the NFC East. I'm kind of... Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of over the Niners. I mean, and you're right in that they need to get going because if they win, they're three and three, so they're in the mix. And but they've just had so many injuries. I kind of written them off. I don't. I don't expect anything out of them. Now, teams I don't expect have surprised me before. President Niner fan has written them off. So. Yeah, yeah, but that's because you're mostly trying to protect protect yourself. No, I'm not you. <laughs> oh, oh, look at you. Oh, man, that's the best moment Yawks ever had in sports radio. Are you trying to suck up to Jake right now? You laughed way too hard. Um, because it was damn funny. Yeah, it was clever. Well, it was, clever it's not sucking up to Jake. It's just uh, it's uh, piling on you. No, that, that's just a day that ends in why. Because <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> the more piling on you, the better. The worse you are, the better self-esteem I have. 
There are eight teams in the AFC with winning records. They are distributed a little better throughout the division. So uh, seven of those eight could uh, could get in. Is it uh, it's Cincinnati and Indianapolis? I think that's in jeopardy now. Indianapolis has closed their practice facility, right? And there was a reporter from New England just barely just said that there might be more positive tests coming in for the Patriots. Patriots and Broncos game has already been bumped a couple times. Mm-hmm. The Patriots and Broncos is the uh, KUTV game. We only get one game this week, and it's that game. I assume if the, that game doesn't happen, then it'll be Steelers-Browns. So I Just award the victory to the Patriots and get over with. <laughs> the Broncos week. aren't winning anything anyway. Right, yeah. What, a, Next. what do they need to play football for? Because uh, the commercials are sold. Yeah, but they'll have games. <laughs> yeah. It's not like there's local commercials. We'll have games. True story. And I would imagine that uh, Brown's, um, Brown Steelers is going to a little bit of the western side of the U.S., but not much. But if that Bronco-Patriot uh, game doesn't happen, then uh, Browns and Steelers for everyone. The uh, Packer, I would like that. The Packer-Buccaneer game is the afternoon game on Fox. They have the doubleheader this week. It alternates between the two I like networks. that game. Yeah, right? And that's I'll going, be watching. That's going to the whole country. Everybody's getting that thing. Yeah, I'll be down from the mountain by then. Le'Veon Bell has a one-year deal with the uh, Chiefs after his release by the Jets. We had Lincoln Kennedy on early this morning, and he said Bell will now chase rings. Uh, you can't really build around him in the long term. And, and, and running backs, they, they are, quote-unquote, a little older pretty quickly. So see if he gets that ring with the Chiefs. I assume well, he fits in. and they don't let him around running backs except maybe Tennessee. Right. Yeah, there's a handful of every back down or every down backs. Yeah. All right, we talked some uh, college football this morning. Actually, we just did that with the uh, Utah football availability. Any other takeaways? Anything you heard there you want to expound upon? I just want to talk about BYU because they're playing tonight. I'm expecting, I want them to win. I'm going to pick them to win, but I'm expecting a much more higher scoring game than maybe we've seen. Now, we've seen BYU be high-scoring. How about the, the, last, hasn't the last time they went to Houston was 47-46? You seen something like that? What a Taysom Hill's finest that's, game. That's extreme. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know if I would go that high because I don't know that I would ever go that high, but wouldn't surprise me if it's low 40s, high 30s. Yeah. Well, as college football goes, that's not that surprising. And with these teams, with Houston's speed and their ability to make big plays and the way we've seen the BYU offense – uh, perform with the exception of last week um, when they still moved up and down the field a little bit. As you say, they weren't that bad. No, last they weren't. Week. They weren't. But they didn't finish drives. You know, you fumble at the ten yard line where you you got. I can't remember how long that drive was. Seventy yards or whatever. Well, and, that, that uh, was the worst thing that could have happened to them is that they got down to the ten basically with barely even breaking a sweat. <laughs> right. It was like it was pregame warmups and there was no defense. They were on their side of the field and the other opponent was on the other side and you just go through the pregame warmups. They just went down and I think in retrospect it was too easy and it caused them to get casual. Well, now they know that every possession is going to matter and you've got to get it down there and punch it in or get it through the uprights and don't get the punt team out there. So I'm expecting BYU's offense. I can't say to look its best, but it might look its best given the competition is increased. So we'll come away thinking that was a real solid offensive effort because they were playing a better team, at least we think so at this point. And so they may not put up 55, and it may not be 
two guys averaging a combined 16 yards per carry between them. That was against Navy and some of these teams. It was almost like it was too easy. And because it was so easy, it brought into question the competition. You start thinking, wait a second here. These guys just aren't that good. It's those other guys over there that really are bad. We won't have that. So I think of a combination you could take away. It may not be a most literally statistically the most prolific game that they've had but I might be able to argue that it's the best they've looked given the competition because I'm expecting the offense to be much sharper tonight Uh, against UTSA they had 470 yards of total offense that's a big number Wilson threw for 292 they ran for 178 those are all good numbers Uh, to, to the point about Houston's defense I mean, you look at it on the surface, they gave up 31 points to Tulane. But the offense turned it over five times. Not only did the offense put them in some bad spots, but there were two defensive scores. The, yeah. the Houston defense oh, yeah. literally was only on the field for 17 oh, it was a bizarre start of to those the game. 31 points. Yeah. Which you write off to one team playing the first game while the other team is playing game four. Well, if you're Holerson, you got to actually love, you don't love the turnovers, but you love the fact that you got down and came back. Because yes. that shows you something. You you faced adversity right off the bat. Not some cushy, you know, BYU hadn't fa- faced any any form of adversity until UTSA, and even that was somewhat mild. It was the adversity was based on expectations, not completely and totally what the opponent was giving you. Well, that's not what Houston had. It was right off the bat, and they managed to come back and win going away. That's a great opportunity for you guys to say, hey, listen, man, we did this, but you know we can't afford to do this and this like we did against these guys, against this of the Cougars, that is going to be too tough because their offense is too good. And if we just give them free 14 points, man, that's going to be really tough. BYU favored by five points in the game tonight. So if uh, if you end up with a 42-37 game, don't be surprised. If you end up with a 35-30 game, don't be surprised. Houston certainly has the speed to make big plays happen. All right, the uh, the MLB news. Uh, the Tampa Bay doesn't close out Houston again. It was 3-0. Now it's 3-2. All right, when we come back Monday morning, what percent chance do you give the Astros of having won the series? I'd say 35. Really? I was going to go 20. 35-40. Wow. Pretty good chance. Huh? Well, I'm, but, you, yeah, but you brought it up earlier, the momentum. Yep. You have momentum. Now, on the other hand, it's somehow they they have they have more momentum, and they're down three two. It seems like the pressure is on the Rays yeah. rather than the Astros, but, which shouldn't really make sense because you only have to win one; they have to win two. Right, but you've already blown two chances to close it out. Now, y'all running Blake Snell out there, and they've got really good pitching. Is he their best? Is there someone you'd rather count on in a pressure situation? Well, I, I like the fact to see that's where I'm giving Tampa Bay the edge because it's not just Snell. It's Snell and Morton because you've got two opportunities here. Yeah. And in the final analysis, the Rays don't care which one they get as long as they get one. But they'd I mean, rather, they get, one, game, they'd rather get game six of course and get, they would. get it over with. Yeah, because uh, yeah, Bra- then it's crazy. Yeah. Braves are up 3-1 on the Dodgers. Uh, and it feels to me like the Dodgers are done. We were talking no, body language. No, this is language. going to be the greatest comeback we've seen. Sweet. Since Kirk since Kirk Gibson. Yeah, yeah, there it is. 1988. 
Uh, Houston and Tampa Bay, 4 o'clock on TBS with the Rays up 3-2. Braves trying to close it out at 7 o'clock on Fox Sports 1 against the Dodgers. All right, that's all the stuff we have been talking about during this show. When we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time for your feedback. Uh, PK, have you seen the, uh, the play? Uh, and I don't know what league is. Is this, uh, is this in Taiwan? Have you seen it, Yak? I saw your link. It is the Taiwanese yeah, professional the, baseball the league. Yeah, the baseball league in, in Taiwan. To dead center, and the, the center fielder jumps. And he comes down, and his body language is all, yeah, I didn't get it, whatever. And he's just kind of looking down. There's no celebration. The graphic goes up home run. The runner's running on the bases. He's celebrating. The fans are in the stands. And then the outfielder just nonchalantly takes the ball out of his glove and throws it back like nothing happened. His dugout erupts. They're going nuts because they didn't know he caught it. He basically just slow-played that guy. And the guy's running around the bases, and the third base coach is high-fiving him. It was pretty funny. I've never seen that. You ever seen that? Can't say I have. Yeah, that was pretty slick. Someone's going to do it now. It's out there on social media, so somebody will do it. If not in the playoffs now, they'll do it in the, uh, in the regular season next year. All right, we're getting a lot, of, uh, a lot of feedback this morning. What is going to happen this weekend? Make your predictions. And Vic says, cool temperatures in the 50s to 60s, some rain possible. Snow if you're in Minneapolis. Supposed to be in the 70s, Vic. Ha <laughs> Vic. You got it wrong. Stuart, road trip. I will see Mount Rushmore and Devil's Tower. Hashtag close encounters. Mount Rushmore. They got Trump's face up there yet? Is that true? Are they going to do that? I don't think they are. Oh, crazy. <laughs> uh, Greg sends us RSL will beat the Rapids. Oh, wait. Yeah, they're not going to play. Well, even if they play, it'd be 0-0, so it's just as well that they don't play. Oh. <laughs> Actually, the last two games, they've scored 10 goals combined, PK. Oh, well, that's right. So it's the law of numbers, Dave. <laughs> the law of numbers. That was good. You're quick. You just shift, shift gears from one to another. <laughs> I had one of those friend-of-a-friend stories. I don't have real brushes with greatness. It's always, you know, brush with greatness, uh, three removed. But this friend of a friend who I never met, I'll just go ahead and assume they actually existed, um, had a uh, sports car. I think, it was, I think it was a Porsche. I'm not sure. And somehow... Uh, they knew A.J. Foyt, and had this, uh, they had this new, and it was a classic version, too. It was an old one. And, and so A.J. Foyt, the former Indy 500 winner, is getting this car and driving it, and is changing gears without using the clutch. He just hears the engine and just smooth as can be. It's changing gears, no clutch. And uh, they said it was the most amazing driving. They were riding shotgun, and they're just like, Wow. It's just a whole nother level. That's you, PK. Switching gears without using the clutch. It's a lot of oh, numbers, when you, Dave. <laughs> when you said no clutch, I thought you were talking about Kershaw. Hey oh, boom. No clutch, <laughs> PK. <laughs> oh man. Uh Scottica says this would never work for a major league center fielder. Stadiums have better lighting. Everyone would see that it was caught. It was smooth though. Scott dismissing it. 
Yeah, and I also thought I think too in the major leagues, uh, you better make sure you have plenty body armor the next time up. Ah, you're right. <laughs> it feels shown up. Hey, if you catch it, you caught it, but don't show us up. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, let's see. We've got um, what's your confidence level that BYU beats Houston? D. Bizzle says zero. BYU always starts hot and then totally bombs in the middle of the season every year. That, that's actually not true with the I, schedule I, that they've had. They I haven't know, come right? close to starting they, hot, they, they hot maybe been, way back. They haven't been 3-0 and in a long time, let alone 4-0. Because they, they, I mean, they have a very difficult schedule yeah. the way the independence is right. set up. So Right, and the first four games are usually really tough now. Now that they got it going, maybe the first couple of years they were uh, – First couple of years they're an independent, maybe not, but now it's it's pretty routine now. Yeah, the schedule, yes, yeah, the schedule's off the charts in September. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, Tom's just done a phenomenal job, and they had a phenomenal actually, and he and it's gotten better at the end of the season. This it's a shame because I can argue without having the uh, the schedules in front of me that this November schedule would have been its best ever. Yeah. Since in the ten years of going independence, they would have had some nice games with Boise and San Diego State in September. Well, and this is where they start or, uh, kicking November, into the Stanford and USC deals on Thanksgiving. And then you weekend. got that thing going on too at the end, something that you called way back in the early days. That's why I'm advocating that you take over for Larry Scott. Yeah, I'm in. First thing I'm doing, I'm moving that TV network offices. You can keep the conference office. I don't care if the commission's in San Francisco. I'm fine with that. He's got to have meetings with the high rollers. Fine. I got no qualm with that. But building out that whole network, guys in editing suites sitting in there in San Francisco real estate, come on now. I'm moving them all, right. to, I'm moving them all to Sandy, PK. I'm moving them to your hood. No, I think that's got to be uh, centrally located, and I would go with needles. <laughs> needles. You're going to have to give like $5,000 relocation bonuses to editors. I'm not moving the needles. Okay, compared to what you're paying in downtown SF, you're saving millions. (laughs) Oh, man. Happy medium. (laughs) Davis County. Hello. Farmington and the Pac-12 offices. I always thought Bakersfield, until you get a team not only in the playoff, but actually wins it. And then we'll move you out of Bakersfield. (laughs) (laughs) All those production assistants are like, hey, not up to me to win the playoff game. Yeah, but you'd make sure you'd have Woody Dixon in the uh, booth making sure all the plays went for Oregon or SC. There you go. Oh, now you're talking. boom. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> well, for those late season schedules, we'll have to look to, uh, to next season because uh, Tom's really loaded it up next year. Hopefully that season will come off. Oh, yeah. Still got the Arizona-Utah-ASU, the Pac-12 Troika to open the season. And October has Boise State, Baylor, Washington State, and Virginia. And you still got USC in November. So Next year? Yeah, that's next year. Oh, man, they better hope Wilson comes back. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Zach, what do you think about hanging out for another season? The quote-unquote easy third of the season is uh, USF, who is down right now. Uh, Utah State in Logan, and nothing easy about that. Uh, Idaho State and Georgia Southern. That's that's the that would be the quote unquote easy third. Georgia Southern's a triple option team. Yeah. Uh, if if Wilson came back and kicked butt on that schedule, uh, you could see because it's been done. It's just recently as Josh Allen. You don't need to be a power five to go high in the draft. And uh, so, say, if he really just continued to progress this year, comes back next year and gets even better. Uh, but Kuyper's having him, I don't know, you know, off the top of my head, who's available next year, because I know Lawrence is coming out this year, I would think. And then you would look at, uh, wow, 
he would really be up there if yeah. that's something that he would be interested in doing. Well, that's then. This is now. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. And then you got all the transfer rules changing, and you know, if he does leave, who would come in and look at that schedule and look at the offense and look what he's done and think, hey, I could do that. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns out there now. Right, yeah, and Slovis would be available next year. There'll be a, uh, a batch of quarterbacks who'd be available next year in that draft too. But uh, Wilson really has an opportunity if he should want to come back. To and, and plus he'll go into next season, continue, assuming he progresses, which I believe he will, he'll go into next season with that much more hype and his name would really be out there. It would be cool if he did, but at the same time, I would never begrudge him if he said, no, I want to go and uh, get my money and go try for the professionals now after this very season. Last word comes from Lee. What will happen this weekend? He says, more bombshell news on the Biden crime family will drop. How often do we have to tell you people to stick to sports? The Come Biden on, crime family? Yeah. Were they one of the five families in New York? <laughs> Biden Zenzo? Or did they, did they shorten it there? Or what's going on? I don't know. You'll have to tweet back in Lee and get the details on that. Uh, We're out of time. Sure. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. We'll see you.